you know, Simon says, put your hand on your head. Simon says, put your hand on your belly. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to Keep Your Gin Up podcast. My name is Jessica and there is silence because do you know what? My sidekick is not here. Zana is not with me. Normally when we start an introduction of our podcast, I say, my name is Jess. And then she'll go, my name is Zana. But Zana is not here for this episode. So I'm just going to be doing the introduction. Now, this is part two of the episode that we released last week. And it was when we interviewed Dr. Han, who is a neuropsychologist and holy moly, this chick knows her brain. (laughs) She doesn't even know, sorry, her brain. She knows everyone else's brains and she specializes in how the wires work differently in certain people. Um, She specializes in ADHD and autism and dementia. And she just like has so much passion with the industry that she's in. And I just found it absolutely fascinating. Now she has a book called How to Break Up with Friends. And I I cannot wait to read this book. Um, FYI, I'm starting to read more everybody and life is getting good. So I really wish I had read more books in my life, but you know, I'm in my thirties and now's the time. So I'm going to read this amazing book and we do have some awesome giveaways that we will be giving out heaps of Dr. Han's books. So keep tuned on our Instagram and we will put all the competition details on there because it's just so lovely that she's even offered to do this. So thank you so much, Dr. Han, for this. Um, If you don't follow us on Instagram, could you please get on and follow us? Because we are noticing that we are talking to people and they know the podcast or friends of friends know the podcast. And you guys don't even just follow us on social media. Like we want to know like where you live in, who you are, what you like, what you don't like. So head on to Instagram and write Keep Your Gin Up Podcast and give us a follow and write to us and tell us like everything because we love hearing from you guys and we especially love when people voice memo it is so hilarious when we get voice memos about dating stories about something funny something poo related it's actually just makes my day when somebody writes in or just sends us a voice memo so please get on that um if you're not aware as well we actually do like video now so right now, because I'm just doing the introduction for part two, I'm just sitting at our dining table with the awesome Keep It Gin Up sign behind me. Um, but you can actually get on YouTube and watch these videos and also Spotify do video, which is so awesome. So you can see our faces. You can actually put a face to the name of what Zara and I look like. Um, and yeah, it would just be super awesome if you could just have a little listen. So before I crack into part two of the episode, I hope you, if you haven't listened to part one, then just pause right now and go listen to part one because part one like has got so many important, like amazing parts to it that you need to kind of listen to part one before we then launch into part two. So definitely get onto that. Um, but before we crack into the episode, I'm going to talk about my spill the tea because that's tradition, right? That's what we do on Keep Your Up podcast. So a little bit of a wild thing that's happened to me this week, like always, you know, my fucking life's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to sell a few things on Marketplace. And, you know, obviously you've got to be a little bit careful on Marketplace. There's some dodgy people out there. But, you know, I've never really actually had too much of a problem. But I'm trying to sell this green dress that I've got. And uh, we went to a ball a few months ago and it was this beautiful green dress and it's got, this, you know, nice slit on the leg. You know, it's very, very nice. Like I looked good in it. Um, but I'm trying to sell it. And so obviously I put the picture up of the actual dress like the model in the dress and then also the picture of me in the dress to show like you know I put my size on there and I was like this is what it looks like in person 
Anyway, I've had somebody message about it. I thought they were totally serious. I was like, yep, this is a suburb I live in, but the only reason they couldn't see it is because I'm off to New Zealand tomorrow. So I was just like, okay, like no problem, that's fine. And then I started getting more and more people interested in this dress. And I thought, this is so weird. Like, is, is there like a ball coming up and people are looking? But this next person that messaged me was a guy. And I thought, that's weird. Like, why is he messaging me? But I was like, maybe it's for his girlfriend, whatever. And he goes, hey, how how high is the dress? And like, who the hell asked that? That's such a random thing. But I was like, hey, I've got no idea, but I'm five foot five and I'm the one in the dress. So I guess that tall, like, I don't know. Like. <laughs> I've just said, I don't know, I'm just a regular sized human. Like I'm not really tall. I'm not really short. I'm just very standard sized. And he was like, oh, okay. And then he was like offering a little bit lower. And I was a bit like, nah, I'm pretty set on the price. Like I think it's a good price. And then he goes, okay, what if I give you a hundred dollars plus a drink slash coffee? And I was like, huh? <laughs> so I kind of had an idea. I was like thinking, hang on a minute. Is this guy asking me out for a drink? And then I thought, no, 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 I'll just see. And I said, huh? And he goes, um, a drink, like go out for a drink. And I was like, what are you talking about, mate? I was like, I'm look, I'm looking, I'm only interested in like serious, serious buyers. And he replies back going, so are you single? And then I didn't reply and he kept messaging me. And then in the morning he kept messaging me and I kept ignoring. And then eventually I was like, look, mate, this is marketplace. This is not a dating app. And he was like, so sorry. But you know, I looked at his profile and I was like, no, like you just, warning signs all over it. All I want to do is sell this damn dress. But then the original person that was keen, then messages me and goes, hey, I've just added your Facebook. Um, you seem really um, you seem really interesting um, and so positive. And I was like, oh my God. And then I actually, you know, deep dived into his profile and I was like, it's another guy and he's probably not even serious. And I was just like, oh my God. And then this morning I got a message going, hey, you look sexy AF. And I was like, okay, that is it. That's three now in a row in the last 24 hours. The dress is it's being taken down marketplace. So yeah, I don't know. Like, how the hell am I supposed to sell this dress? Marketplace is like the way to go. But turns out, turns out Marketplace is a dating app now. So we all know my dating history. So, I mean, I don't think I want to go down that that path of, of Marketplace. But hey, girls, if you want to try and sell some shit on Marketplace, you might be able to find a guy. So yeah, that's my little spill the tea this week. Just thought I'd, uh, you know, update you on my life. But let's get cracking into the episode. Hey, I'm sure you're sick of bloody listening to my voice. Um, remember, add us on Instagram, follow us on YouTube, Spotify, the whole sh- you know, whole shabam. And if you could actually give us a review on Spotify, it means the world to us. If you're a listener and you enjoy it, please share the love because that's what Spotify sees. And we love doing this podcast so much. And we're so excited to grow. We're so excited to see what comes in the future. So enjoy the episode, guys. Bye. everyone welcome to keep it up podcast we are joined here with han han is a neuropsychologist which is awesome it's very cool it's very little niche that we kind of wanted to unpack and figure out what that was because when we first saw it we were like okay so you you know you focus on the brownie brain you obviously have a lot of knowledge around the brain and how that works but then also psychology with that it's like it's an interesting concept oh my god you guys are the best um (laughs) well thank you so much for having me on the podcast best name ever keep your gin up yeah we got our gin (laughs) butterscotch snaps for me because i don't have any gin but this i feel like it's you know if you hear the jingling it's because i'm having a good cheers (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, maybe that's a good segue into what can all of us do when yeah. you think it's so easy to identify with that feeling of, like, I'll paint a picture for you, sitting on the couch, you're alone, 
you're on you're a breaking point and you're sitting there going am I going crazy like is this life am I I can't do this that feeling of like choking right up to your neck you're breathing at the very top of your lungs and you're panicking and you're you're exhausted and you're flat and you just want to sleep but you can't because your brain won't stop and it's whirling, whirling, whirling. And it just almost feels like this insurmountable Mount Everest that you're standing yeah. at the bottom of. And somehow by tomorrow you have to be at the top of. Um, and, I, and I think it's really important for society, like Australians, women, to take a step back and, and kind of realise that everyone's quite overloaded. We're all bombarded with, um, you know, we've had covid we've had trying to just suddenly 2022 like oh yeah back to normal like how about the universe gaslights us a little bit more just pretend like nothing happened for the past two years like I'm traumatized (laughs) I I think we're gonna have you know children in like 20 years time coming with a special form of PTSD that was maybe during COVID your phone is designed there are thousands of engineers working behind your phone to make sure that it perpetually distracts you um there is a a lot of things going on in life that you are not imagining that's making things really tough yeah um, so I suppose you know having that validation of, of somebody saying like you're you're not imagining it it is hard what you're going through is really difficult and your brain may actually be in a little bit of fight and flight right now um, and that has a huge impact on your body and you know we can talk about how to turn off our flight and fight but it might be good to, to talk about how we even notice that we're in fight and flight. Yeah, definitely. And how and what we do to then get out of that situation and kind of, you know, dial it back a little bit and, you know, empty that cup. That's also what we need I love need the cup analogy because, like, you know yeah. how I always say with, like, the love cup, like when you do things, like, I love filling up my love cup. So, like, yeah. I love any cup analogy because I get it. I'm like, yep. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> it's very visually. Very visual that we're holding currently. Yeah, exactly. I told you I'm a very visual person. Cheers. <laughs> and I know you talk a lot about neuroplasticity and I've heard you talk about um, on a few different podcasts and shows about neuroplasticity and how, how that is and what that is because I think a lot of people don't even know what that is. Um, mm. Can you explain to us a little bit about what that is and how that, you know, works in your brain because yeah. I thought it was a plastic yeah, yeah. brain so, yeah, she's, I, so she's, I was like it's definitely not a plastic brain <laughs> <laughs> no not not plastic like Ikea chair plastic no. like it's like plasticine mm. if we think plasticine is a short word for like play-doh plasticine think about the days I used to play with it malleable squeezable shapeable you can move it with your hands and you can change the shape of it you can stretch it out you can make it smaller you could do a lot of things with it it's malleable and it's movable so neuroplasticity is this concept that this little, little squishy organ between your ears is movable. It's shapeable. It's malleable. It's changeable. And the coolest part about neuroplasticity is it does not matter what age you are. It does not matter what age you are. Your brain will always change in response to the stimuli that is being given to it. So a great um, first example of neuro or, or what this kind of means is um, Pavlov's dogs experiment. Have you, have you guys, are you familiar with Pavlov? Pavlov's dogs? No. All right. Well, let's put our thinking hats. Strap in. I've got him walking his dogs in my head. Is this right? Yeah. Come come with me on the magic school bus. Let's talk. So so Pavlov's dogs is this experiment by um, a, a dude many, many moons ago who had 
some puppy dogs and he noticed that when the food was put out in front of the puppy dogs that they they were salivating and he, his assistant kept putting the food out and then what he noticed was the assistant would come out and the dogs would start salivating and he, he was like oh that's that's interesting why are they, why are the dogs salivating for the assistants and he paired what he did was he paired the food coming out with a little bell, ding-a-ling-a-ling. So every time the food came out, ding-a-ling-a-ling, food, ding-a-ling-a-ling, food, ding-a-ling-a-ling. And the dogs would salivate every time they got the food. And then eventually he took the food away and he just went ding-a-ling-a-ling. And what do you think happened to the dog's mouth when they heard the ding-a-ling-a-ling? Salivating. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. And that is the process of conditioning conditioning not not conditioning like shampoo conditioning (laughs) conditioning like your brain has been moved and changed and grown into a pattern a pattern of circuitry that has gone there's an unconditioned stimuli ding-a-ling-a-ling that's unconditioned it's just a bell but then it's been paired with an unconditioned response salivating and eventually unconditioned becomes conditioned and we get a bell a a conditioned stimuli ding-a-ling-a-ling causing a response in our body salivation and what can happen in life is that when we're exposed to someone or something that is a stimuli the trigger for us for example a toxic friend yeah we (laughs) walk into a room with them and immediately our body clenches you know you you feel that tightening in the body you feel that tension in the shoulders you feel that anticipation and worry and dread what are they going to be like today i can feel myself panicking i can feel myself getting nervous and that is that condition response in your body of there's a trigger which might be a person, a place, a family member or, you know, work situation, whatever it is that is now triggering this response inside of you of fight and flight and turning on your adrenaline system to flood you with stress hormones to prepare you for the threat. And over time, you don't, the threshold of how much stimuli, the ding-a-ling-a-ling, how much of that stimuli you need, it gets lower and lower and lower till eventually you just need a ding or you just need to see a bell. You just need to walk into a room where bells are made and your body's immediately starting to react with this stress. My shoulders tense, my digestion gets suppressed. So I get a tummy ache. I might get headaches. I might feel anxious. And your body has this whole myriad of physiological symptoms that turn on in a very benign situation. Nothing's happened, but I'm panicking. Yeah. Oh my God. Were you thinking exactly what I'm thinking? What were you thinking? <laughs> I just have someone that does this to me. Yeah, I was thinking that. They're no, no longer, you know, part of my yeah, world. Yeah, and I was thinking the same thing. Like, we've all, we've all had friendships like that that, you know, cause us stress and things like that. But I think personally, for me, what I find really hard is when people are, I guess, a toxic friend and they are draining you and they've, they maybe have certain things going on in their life that they then drain from you. But I, I'm such an empathetic person that I know that they're like that because something else is going on for them. But then I don't want to not be their friend because then that will make the situation worse. And then it's a cycle for me that I often end up in these toxic friendships because I want to support them, but then they also drain me. So how on earth do I work that out? Yeah, how do you work that out? Uh, Well, now we come to my favourite word, (laughs) psychologist's favourite word, assertiveness and boundaries. Bear with me, guys, bear with me. I know it's such a scary topic. Like when people say the word like assertiveness and boundaries, we we have like synonymized it with this idea of like if I set a boundary it's 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 on par with me ripping out the pin of a grenade and throwing (laughs) the grenade and explodes and there's like awkwardness explodes all over the ceiling and the walls and the floor and there's awkwardness everywhere and it's just so awkward and oh god and we're really well trained in society to 
try to be cool and try to be like cool as a cucumber. No worries. Literally, that's the what what's the, the, the <laughs> saying of Australia? No worries, mate. Except all the worries. You know, we, we're so stressed all the time, and especially I think almost with 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 women in particular, but definitely with men, we we've got this cultural concept of don't rock the boat, don't be a buzzkill, don't don't make a fuss. You know, people who are complainers. We literally have a word now called Karens. Like if you complain, you're like, oh, I feel so bad for all the Karens. Anyone named Karen? That's very sad. Yeah, like you're kind of sort of it's just this is perpetual message from yeah. from the society we live in that you you shouldn't complain you you, know, you you need to be cool you need to be calm you, a cool person by definition is somebody who just doesn't care they're too cool to care about anything yeah. you know and and i think that flies in the face of somebody who does care and is assertive and sets some boundaries because you have to be vulnerable to say that upset me that was inappropriate and that that made me feel bad so please don't do that again um and i think it's a it's a great um brainwash because really it's not actually as um you know earth shattering as we think it is to be able to say to someone hey you know when you did this behavior it made me feel uncomfortable can you please not do this behavior again mm. and it's not a fight. It's not airing dirty laundry. It's not about getting into the minutiae and the nitty gritty of you did this on a Tuesday in 2017. And then I did this on a Wednesday in 2018. It's not about getting into the minutiae of the, the history of the relationship. It's just in the moment when that person, when you called me an idiot, it actually made me feel sad. Can you please not call me an idiot again? Mm. You know, those kind of drawing attention to behaviors that make you uncomfortable or sad and saying in a calm voice you know when you did this please it hurt me please don't do it again um and that I think we've fallen out of practice with the ability to do that and what happens I guess in those situations when you are trying to talk to someone about these things and saying you know that affects me this way and I appreciate if you don't do that again what happens when they give you back defensive and they give you back assertive and it's very hard to communicate with them and maybe you might be away on a holiday with them and you know there's nowhere to go (laughs) like how do you navigate that situation you tried and tried and tried Wow. Yeah. Like, oh, flashback. That's when right? you break up with friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Boyfriends, friends, like yeah. can extend to family members sometimes. It's that, um, it, you know, there's two parts to boundary setting. The first is communicating that boundary. And I, I talk about it at length in the book. Um, I talk about, you know, setting a boundary, communicating a boundary, identifying when the person using behavioral analysis to identify when the person's most likely to step on your boundary. And so mm. practicing your the sentences that you're going to say to let them know that it's not okay. But the second part of the boundary is upholding it. And that's probably the hard part. It, it's, you know, and I talk a lot in the book about this fear, you know, in the book, it's all about toxic friends. So that's a good analysis. That's good example of what we're talking about. A fear of, you know, being alone, a fear of having no friends. And it's the fear of being alone that keeps you tied to very, very toxic people, keeps you tied to them. And there's no room in your cup to invite anyone new to come in because you're totally overloaded with these other people. So you can't meet new people. You can't make new friends. You can't find a different partner. You can't find somebody who's going to meet your needs because you've got no bandwidth left for it. Um, So, you know, I think it's always important to say don't do anything in the heat of the moment. Like if you're on a holiday with someone you know, you're splitting the bill, you're sharing a room, you know, you're, you're not in a safe situation with a person, you, they've got control of your finances, whatever coercive control might be occurring. 
it is really, it is sometimes unfeasible to say, well, just set a boundary and walk out. Like sometimes we can't do that. So just give yourself a, just give yourself some breathing room to step back for a second. And, and you, you have the permission to think about what you want to do. You have the time to think about if you're assuming you're safe, you have the time to, to plan something out and not do it in the heat of the moment. I wouldn't recommend a breakup in the heat of the moment because that's when you're in fight and flight mode. That's when that person's escalated as well. And you may need to have some healthy space. You may need to do a little bit of the freezing or fawning response, which is the other parts of the fight, fight and flight response. We can talk about that too. You might need to use those techniques to get out of a situation to be safe so that when you're safe and you're in your own space, then you can execute the exit plan. And that's okay too. And what if it is like a more, I guess, in relation to friends and how, how, I mean, you have whole entire books about it, how to break up yeah. with friends. <laughs> it is about friends. <laughs> but yeah, I guess how in that situation, if, you know, if it ends, you know, in an argument, uh, like how do you kind of navigate that when they're obviously so hot headed? Like is the best thing to do to walk away to say, I just need some space. How do you mm. kind of navigate that, that time? Oh, great question. <laughs> I and mean, we can do a little experiment with this one. Okay. okay. <laughs> We're exciting. Okay, guys. All right. So let's talk about what we can control in life. So can you control your thoughts? What do you think? Yes or no? Can you control your thoughts? Mm, Sometimes. I think sometimes. You can redirect your thoughts, but I don't think you can necessarily control what comes up, but you could redirect them. Okay. So it's a maybe a yes. Like a, yeah, it's like a kind of. Yeah, I think it's like a oh, yes. that time. Okay. I was going right. to say no, but then I'll I was like. Mm. Oh, Jess says no. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to give you a little experiment. Okay, guys. Whatever you do, do not think about an elephant. Do not think about the letter <laughs> E. Don't think about the word elephant. Oh, uh, you got us. See? Yeah. So I'm right. Boom, you can't baby, boom. I told you, you can't control No, yeah. I thought about an elephant and an E. <laughs> anybody listening right now who goes, I wasn't thinking about the elephant, well, what are you thinking about right now? Exactly. That you're not thinking about an elephant? So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, we have, you know, how many thoughts do you guys reckon you get, you have a day? Oh, millions. I would have a bazillion. Jess would have like tenfold of everyone else. <laughs> and at nighttime, especially between midnight and 3 a.m. I'm like. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so can we say like at least one thought a second? At least oh, yeah. one thought a second? Definitely. Yeah. How I'm many sorry. seconds in a minute? Oh, six How many seconds in a minute? Yep. How many minutes in an hour? 60 minutes. <laughs> I'm really interested. How many hours in a day? How many 24. hours in a day? Yeah, so it's only 60 by 60 by at least the 12 hours you're awake. That's like 64,000 thoughts. That's like so many thoughts every day. How can you possibly control that? Your yes. mind, is an un- your eyeballs are an unfiltered window through which you see danger, happiness, good, bad, car coming towards you. You cannot filter out the good or the bad as much as you might want to because it would be unsafe. You cannot control your thoughts. And if you try to, that's where we start to develop things like OCD, mm. obsessive compulsive disorder. We can't control them. They pop in and they pop out. I mean, the random stuff that I have thought in my head, the useless thoughts that I have had, my God, more useless <laughs> thoughts than useful thoughts. So next question, can you control your feelings? Oh, no. I'm saying no again. Not initial feelings. I don't think so. No. Because if something really traumatic happens and you start crying, you can't control that. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I can't. Shock. You can't control that. And if you're shocked shocked and you start laughing, that's sometimes what people do when they're shocked. Or, yeah, your leg gets chopped off and you don't even feel it get chopped off because you're in shock. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, say no. I, mean, I love two nurses. I can tell here <laughs> that you know all about it. And and for the people listening, like, you know, let's do an experiment. See if you can control the hilarity that erupts inside of you. 
What do you call a sad strawberry? Oh, God. It's a joke. What do you call a sad strawberry? I don't know. A blueberry. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> did you feel, the, did you feel the, the eruption of hilarity? Yes. You couldn't control oh, yeah. <laughs> couldn't it. It was just so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a great example of how we cannot, and what you guys were talking about before, you cannot control the feelings that occur in your body. A feeling, a thought is a thought. It doesn't control you. It doesn't have power over you. Just because you thought it doesn't make it true, right? I think I, I, think I want a million dollars doesn't make it true unfortunately (laughs) I wish I feel feel sad I don't want to feel sad if we could control our feelings we wouldn't have any use for um, antidepressant medication we wouldn't have therapists and we wouldn't have mental health wards because we control it and we can't now the last part behavior can you control your behavior yes <laughs> oh yes, excellent. And and you know, again, here we go. Assuming that you're you're not on any mind altering substances, you haven't taken, you're in your right mind. You know, Simon says, put your hand on your head. Simon says, put your hand on your belly. <laughs> what are you talking about? Pat your head above your belly at the same time. Yeah, we can control. We can control our behavior. We can choose to reach out and grab this glass of water. I can choose to reach out and pick up my phone. I can choose to text that person. I can choose to go to the pub with that person. I can choose to take that phone call. I can choose to go and see my psychologist and talk about the things that make me think ruminative thoughts and feel down. And the behavior is the part of the thoughts feeling behavior wheel. The behavior is where we tap into the wheel to change our thoughts and feelings because thoughts and feelings follow behavior. So what we do with our body makes us happy, sad, think happy things, think sad things. If you stay in bed all day, if you don't eat any food, if you don't have a shower, by the end of the day, you probably feel crummy and you'll probably think bad things about yourself. If you get up in the morning, you go and do that workout, you have that full breakfast, you wash your body, you take care of yourself. By the end of the day, at least 1% of you, 1% of your body will feel better. You'll feel better and you'll have slightly better thoughts about yourself. So feelings follow behavior. Thoughts follow behavior. So we are in control of our behavior. Now let's flip it. Can you control somebody else's thoughts? No. Can you control someone else's thoughts? Can I put a thought in your mind? No, I mean, like, you could be manipulated to, you know. (laughs) Through behavior. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. (laughs) Can you control somebody's feelings? Can you make someone feel, can you wave a magic wand to make someone feel happy when they're sad or feel sad? You can make someone feel sad. Well, if I was a (laughs) person, then I could enter the room and they would instantly be like, oh, God. And you're like, yeah. Well, like, I'm just so awesome when I enter the room, everyone's happy. (laughs) True. (laughs) So but no. if, we, if we had a sad person in front of us and we wanted them to not feel sad anymore, could we flick a switch and suddenly make them not feel sad? No. No, no. Can we control another person's behaviour? No. Yeah. No. So if we think about those that model of thoughts, feelings and behaviour, the only part of that model that we have control over is our own behaviour, our mm. own behaviour. I am not responsible for someone else's behaviour, someone else's thoughts, someone else's feelings. I'm responsible for my behaviour. I'm responsible for the consequences of my behaviour and I need to be accountable for that. But it's, it's the behaviour ultimately that is what paves the way into us, you know, developing healthier patterns and developing healthier neuroplasticity, neuropathways. We talked before about conditioning, yeah. right? Conditioning neuropathways in your brain involves repeated behavior, repeated behavior. If you've ever been hiking, you know, when you go hiking in the bush and you you have to find, you get off the the gravel road and you go into the bush and scrubland and somehow you know where the path is. 
it's not it's not to your left it's not to your right you can see there's a dirt track and there's that's where that sand comes from the well-trodden path because somebody has walked down that path many times and they've cemented in the earth by stepping on that path so many times they've made a path and it's the same of it's the same for your circuitry in your brain the more you activate a pathway, the stronger the network is that fires. And if we have this strong network from repeated exposure to toxic people, I'm repeatedly ignoring my own needs. I'm repeatedly taking care of everybody else. I'm repeatedly ignoring the fact that I feel anxious and I feel scared and I'm repeatedly putting myself in this situation. We develop that pathway in our brain. I'm never standing up for myself. I never put my needs first. I always come last. And it's very scary even to think about the idea of putting myself first makes me anxious. And then we start activating another pathway where my behavior is I'm going to try to put myself first. I'm going to try to say when something made me feel bad. I'm going to see my psychologist. I'm going to do some introspection and journal and think about my core beliefs and what's affecting me. And all of this is behavior that we're engaging in that starts to create a new pathway in our brain where it becomes normal to start to not be anxious all the time, not be in fight or flight all the time, and finally get to a place where we can tell people hey, when you did that behavior, it upset me. Oh, I'm sorry I did that. I won't do that again. And that becomes the new healthy norm. It is healthy and normal for people to communicate. It's normal to make mistakes. It's normal to accidentally step on toes. It's healthy to communicate when we do that. That is a normal relationship and that's what we're ultimately striving for. Yeah. We always yeah. say communication's key. We do. Like literally every every podcast, <laughs> every, every second podcast, we're like communication's key, everybody. Because yeah. we talk a lot about obviously dating relationships is life and we're always like, you gotta communicate. Yeah, definitely. For sure. It, it's fun. And you know, it's key because it really unlocks this next level, next level of life. You know, I'm 34 now. And like, damn, I was dumb when I was 24. <laughs> like not what to the 24. Not to the 24 years listening, just me personally. I'm like, God, I just couldn't do anything. I couldn't communicate. I was just a ball of anxiety. And the things I've learned now, like I get so scared at the thought of being able to say, hey, oh, do you think maybe you could please not do that? But then the more I've learned by just doing it, just saying it, just say it, you know, just tell them that upset me. Please do this. What is it? What happened with this? Why did that happen? Just, just resisting that conditioned response that tells you don't say anything, make yourself small, don't make a fuss. By resisting that and doing the opposite behavior, you really do start to grow that new muscle in your brain and it gets easier and easier and easier. So awesome. I feel like all of us need to go be and study psychology just so, you know, we actually are all normal human beings. <laughs> <laughs> our brains work normally instead of being so anxious all the time <laughs> I know I agree so what what type of people come and see you I know you obviously people who are neurodiverse come and see you um but can anyone kind of come and see you that are maybe experiencing some symptoms that are maybe neurodiverse or is it specifically only you kind of see people that already have neurodiverse conditions or you know things like that yeah I'm also awesome question um so neuropsychology is a kind of rarer type of psychology some people you might go and see your psychologist first so if you go in Australia we're really lucky we have this amazing thing called a mental health care plan so if you go to your GP they can put you on a mental health care plan to go and speak to a psychologist you can go and see a psychologist without one but it just helps get a re- Medicare rebate um and you can talk to your psychologist about these concepts like neuroplasticity flight and flight response all the things we've talked about today 
if you felt like you were more wanting an assessment or you were thinking, you know what, I think I might have some things going on for me. I think maybe there's some inattention or some hyperactivity, maybe some social things going on or memory issues, cognitive issues. Then you might want to say to your GP, I'd like to specifically be referred for a neuropsychology session. Um, and, and there are neuropsychologists all over Australia where, you know, we're, we're rarer, but we are around and you can sit down and have a chat with someone and, and say like, here are my symptoms. This is what I'm concerned about. Maybe you'd need an assessment or maybe it might be like a chat you know, where that person can help to explain to you, this is why these types of symptoms might occur. Because we know in neuropsychology, things like depression and anxiety and stress wreak havoc on your attention and your working memory and your speed of thinking. So we know that there are controllable factors that if you tick some boxes and you clear up a few things, you might find that your attention improves and your cognition improves. So sometimes it's nice to touch base with with someone just to have a chat before you do go and have an assessment, but you are always absolutely able to go and talk to your GP and let them know if you're having these concerns because there's definitely help out there. That's so awesome. So good. Thank you so much. I know that everyone <laughs> listening to this will be like, no, but I just, I want to stalk you. Yeah, well, I want to see you because like, I feel like I've learned so much in this last hour than I've ever learned my entire life. Yes. <laughs> so where can our listeners? Brain the best thing in the it world? Really it really is. so cool. It is. You're the best brain detective it. ever. Yeah. And the way you explain <laughs> things is so awesome. You just like explain it so simply, that, but then also so in depth at the same time. It's, yes. it's awesome. Love so it. Good. Where can our listeners um, find you? Uh, so I'm at no bull psych, mm-hmm. no bull psych on Instagram. And um, usually that's the best place if you want to like get some tips and hear little, little bits and bobs. Uh, that's where I do my thing. I have a, I do run a practice in Cremorne. Uh, that's in Sydney. So I'm not over in Brizzy where you guys are. <laughs> I am mean, over in Sydney, but you know, I'm always, always happy to see people and help people out or point you in the right direction if I can. That's Perfect. awesome. And you also have a book? Yes. Tell us about that. I do. It's called How to Break Up with Friends and it's all about the uh, neurophysiological, neuropsychological impact of toxic people in our life. Uh, and it's, yeah, definitely got that neuroscience in it, but I, I speak in a way I hope that, you know, it's similar to what we're talking about today, that it's it's uh, approachable and easy to understand because I think, I, think, I think when you honour the intelligence of the listener – and the reader, they really, people like to know what is going on in my brain. They want to know. And when I, when you're equipped with the knowledge, you're so much more able to then deploy that knowledge to change your life and grow some new pathways in your brain. Definitely. I think we all need to read that book. Yes. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm already yes. like, hmm, I'm definitely buying it tonight. <laughs> I have been reading again. It's very good. Yeah. Reading is great. So it's, on, it's on Audible if you're feeling like you're just a listener. If you're more of a listener, then you Is can it your lovely it. voice? Or someone else's voice. I wish. I oh, wish. Oh, so Rando's voice. <laughs> it was too Australian to just too ochre. Like, no way. Hey. What? what? No, that would make it even better, I reckon. That would be so weird <laughs> listening to your book with someone else saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, she's lovely. She's fantastic. The, the <laughs> woman who read my book was amazing. So, you know, it's it's on there if you need it, guys. Oh, but, um, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on today. You're amazing. It's been keep so your great. Dinner. Yeah, keep really your dinner. <laughs> we are so oh, appreciative of you Thank you, you so much. Yeah. Thank you. It's been so great. <laughs>